1: to wrestling omakase it is episode number 96 and this week i'm joined once again by taylor hi taylor hi how's it going good um taylor you're of course well known for being the most repeat guest on this podcast also well known for hosting for hosting for wearing shirts that are apparently uh very ugly and bad according to some people Yes, the ugliest shirts uh, ever made <laughs> in fact. Right up there with the APA pounding ass shirt apparently. But what is it always pounding ass? There you go. Do you know anyone who bought that? I don't know anyone who bought that back in the day. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know anyone who wore always pounding ass. I did know somebody who wore that that steel and cold uh two snake shirt. I definitely saw that one in the wild. But I never saw, you know, with the arms or the snakes or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you do own the champ. You own the champion carnival shirt. I do. So, I mean, I will be honest. The first time I saw that shirt, it just made me think. I really wish I had bought that shirt. It's like a, it was like a <laughs> like a limited run or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Caused a firestorm on Twitter today.
0: Yes, the the most recent firestorm. Now that we don't have anything to uh, fight about, yeah, I
1: know it's like a there's been a disarmament in the uh, the WWE wars of Twitter because, like, all this you just, you saw this today too, right? All of a sudden, like a lot of the pro WWE people have suddenly just been like, yeah, you know, never mind, it sucks. <laughs> it yeah, suck. I saw that. Yeah, so it's like a a what what was that called? Like a unilateral disarmament, I guess. Like one side just is like throwing down their weapons, like yeah, we're we're done. So <laughs> that's that's uh, and before that, obviously the big fight was uh, actually no, I don't, I don't, what do they call it a fight? Because most like ninety nine percent of people were on one side, but the it big... was an
0: agreement mainly, <laughs> which is very rare for wrestling. On Twitter, I was surprised that no one came to the defense and was like, wait a minute,
1: well, somebody did in my mentions. Oh, real? Oh, not. yes, that's right. Yeah, well, one person. So ninety
0: eight percent yeah
1: but like but we'll talk about that later right i think you probably know if you're listening what we're talking about but uh we'll get to it because it the topic rears its ugly head in one show we're gonna talk about in particular but in the meantime we're here to talk about new japan because i just did their two wrestling jontaku shows wrapping up the tour and we're also going to talk a lot of joshi which of course you watch a lot of taylor um You know, even more than I do. So we're going to talk about the Stardom Cinderella Korokin final. Or Korokin, because it's it's only one show. The Tokyo Joshi Pro Korokin from May 3rd. And the Sendai Girls Korokin, which is a few weeks old now.
0: But it it only aired like last week, right? It aired on the 27th or the 29th. I don't remember which one. But yeah, Yeah, just last week. And the show took place on April 16th. But it didn't air until,
1: yeah, for quite a while. But so those are the three Joshi shows we're going to talk about along with New Japan. Uh so let's get right into New Japan starting with wrestling Dontaku Night 1 which was yesterday uh Friday May 3rd. What do you think of the show overall, Taylor?
0: I thought it was a I thought it was a good show. You know, I think uh as we'll talk about in a second the stuff at the top delivered which is usually what's important because the stuff underneath usually is it is what it is for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I liked it. It was an easy show to get through for me because um, I actually, when the main event went on, I went, oh, is this the main event? The show's gone pretty fast. And it was, you know, it was the main event. So I liked it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I agree. I thought it was a pretty good show. And I thought, for the, like you said, for the most part, the top stuff delivered. Um, let's see. The opener, though, was... One of the – I think that's the second time they ran this match. They also ran this match at uh, – oh, God. I think, at, I think at Sengoku Lord they ran the exact same six-man. Maybe I'm confusing it. Maybe it's Hiroshima or something. They ran so many shows on this show, t- on this tour, Taylor. Yes, yes. Like 10 million.
0: Did you watch everything or no? So I watched everything, and I'll, I was going to bring this up on the second show, but really I was – fairly zoned out on the undercard stuff on night two just because i felt like i had seen these sort of matches like 50 times already yeah and i'm like oh god
1: so when you said everything you even meant like those road twos that were not in corkin you watched all those shows oh i
0: didn't watch the road twos that weren't at corkin i guess that's true i didn't watch those because i skipped even i skipped those
1: I, i i finally like got tired of I can only handle so much Road Two, you know.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I watched
1: know. I I did watch the two elimination matches from the um the Wednesday Road Two, the last one, but I didn't watch the undercar, I just watched those two elimination matches. Um okay, so the opener of Dontaku, night one, uh Tomoaki Shota Umino, and Ren Narita against Toa Hanare, Suji, and Yuya Uemura. Uh, Narita pinned Uimura in 10:46 for the front suplex hold. Uh, I, I can mention really quickly too, before I forget, since I just said I watched the two elimination matches. They're fine. They're not like worth going out of your way to see from that Wednesday show. But I think the main event, the chaos and the Bushi Lij one, was like pretty good, like three and a half star good. The Bullet Club versus Team Goat one really wasn't that great. Really, nothing you need to watch. So, I mean, neither are anything you need to watch. But if you have time. The other ones better i just think it this the atmosphere of corican you know for those elimination matches because they did one in osaka during the new beginning tour which they haven't done really that many of these elimination matches outside of corican and i feel like whenever they have them outside of and it's missing that atmosphere of like i don't know in and corican, like women fucking scream their heads off when whenever a wrestler is like about to get dumped over the top rope and I don't think for whatever reason the fans in Osaka or wherever the fuck the other one was, I think it was uh I don't I don't know where it was actually on the top of my head, the Wednesday show um, you know the, the fans out there just aren't as into these things. they don't get them as often, so there wasn't that like screaming terror every time there was a near elimination, which I think really hurt actually r- really hurts the matches. I mean they're just a lot better when people are screaming over every elimination. But yeah, the six-man tag, it was totally fine. I don't know what you could possibly say about it.
0: It was fine. It was I a- like Narita's finisher, um, which I guess is a fin. I guess we can call it that because he's been using it to end the matches. That, you know, so many finishers in New Japan seem to have these sort of, um, I don't know what you call them, like s- either setups or tells when, you know, there's the Rainmaker pose and there's the, you know, when you can sort of tell that the finish the finisher is coming and this one seems to more often than not sort of come out of nowhere um which i like and i guess the only other thing i had is when are you know narita and umino leaving
1: yes i mean every single fucking preview i write i end up asking this question like these these people are ready i don't know i mean it feels like i guess we're now at the stage of um, with, with, I mean, Shotanaka and Yohei Kamatsu, they were ready to go, like, what, like, a year before they left, maybe more, so. Right. Maybe they're just gonna hold on to these two guys forever, just like they did with Sho and Yo, but, I don't know, maybe the next class isn't ready yet in the dojo, but it's, I mean, you could, you could still send
0: them off, though, you don't even need to wait. You got you're having Gina. four, you've got four, yeah, you've got four guys, so it's not like you're, Empty if the two of them leave, and I have a th- I have a thought um, on when they might leave, but I'll save it for a little bit later in the show because it ties into something else.
1: Okay, so match number two: Suzuki Goon, uh, Minor Suzuki, Desperado, Kanemaru, and Taka Michinoku defeating Yoshihashi, Tiger Mask, Yusuke Toguchi, and Juice Jushinog- Thunder Liger, uh, Taka Pin Tiger Mask in nine fifty seven with the Michinoku Driver. Um, First of all, is Zach Takah's first one in like two fucking years? Because he didn't get any Um, pinfalls last year, if I I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I would have to go back and look. I mean, he's starting to wrestle more. I mean, obviously he's in best of the super juniors. But I feel like just because his volume has gone down means it's probably likely it is his first victory in a while. Yeah. Um, But it makes sense to get him back in – you know, to build him up for the tournament. He looks great, I thought. Uh, So he's not a total... I mean, he could still go. Obviously, he's been doing stuff elsewhere, but, you know.
1: Yeah, and I thought he he and Tiger Mask, I thought they had a really cool exchange towards the end of the match, So, uh, which led to to Taka pinning him. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, it was more the Liger Suzuki stuff, which is cool, and not a lot to say about it. Yoshihashi is... Person who exists. <laughs> he's pretty. I mean, we'll get to it at night too. Actually, it's even worse. But like, he's he. But like, if you ever want to see a man collect a paycheck, that is <laughs> hashi right now. Just does not give less of a shit. Yeah. Uh, I anything else to say about this? I that, <laughs> no, I don't
0: have much else <laughs> to say. No. Uh,
1: match three: Togi Makave, Toriano, and Will Osprey defeating God and Hikuleo. In 725 Osprey Penny Hikule with the Oscutter. This was a match. I don't know. This is whatever.
0: I, I have mean, one G- I have one thought on this match, which is that, and I think I understand why he does it, but Will Osprey tends to flip over on Lariat's more than anyone else I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he
1: does it every time.
0: And I feel like that – I mean, I think he's doing it to save himself from doing back bumps, but to me, that sort of thing is saved for like, I'm in a big match and my opponent just hit me really hard. Yeah. But it seems to happen all the time, which (laughs) sort of bugs me, even though I get it from a physical perspective. Instead Um, of I'm
1: in a match and he hit me – a big match he hit me really hard, it's I'm in a match and he touched me at all.
0: right. But that's
1: that's how Osprey sells a lot of stuff, though. So um, but I don't know. Like this this GOD and uh Macabre Yano feud, I almost feel like it's not getting enough hate. Like that was like such a drag on this tour. Pretty much anything involving the bullet club except for Ishimori and Dragon Lily was like the big drag on the tour. But this was like a like this was just nothing. I mean, they just didn't do anything at all with it except for the stupid like stealing the belts back and forth shit. They they dropped that after like a week. So even that didn't like didn't even mean, end up meaning anything.
0: So I don't know. And then Tomatonga got his Santa Claus bag or whatever he uses to carry the belts around now.
1: Yeah, it's just fucking stupid. Like it's not even funny or interesting. It's just fucking dumb. So I don't know. I just was not a big fan of this and um Okay, so That brings us to the next match, though, which is the six-man tag team match with Kota Ibushi and Roppongi 3K against Naito and Shingo and Bushi. Um, This was the first... They they ran the same match on both nights. Uh, This one was by far the shorter of the two. Um, It only went 11 minutes and 31 seconds. I think the the second night one went longer. Let me just double-check. Yeah, the second one went almost 14. So this is the shorter of the two. It was still good, but it just wasn't, you know, the the second one, I, I kind of figured going in that this was going to be, like, the lesser of the two of them because uh, this was, like, fifth from the top and the one on night two was third from the top. So I feel like they kind of saved the big all-out performance for night two. But this was still good, you know. It's not like it was bad. I mean, you got that much talent in the ring. It's pretty tough for it to be bad. What would you think?
0: Yeah, I thought it was good. I've liked the, um, I mean, obviously it sort of got resolved on the following night, but I liked that the Naito Abushi build has sort of avoided the, um, you know, drag apart brawl style of building to a match, um, which seems to happen a lot in that they just sort of, after the match, would hang out and go, hey, I want a match. Oh, interesting. You want to, like, it's a little bit of a change of pace that I liked, um, stylistically, but in terms of match, yeah, it was a good match. Um, it's one of those where I've, you know, we talked about all of these shows that I sort of saw the different combinations so many times that they sort of now in my brain have bled all together yeah. um, in a way, but, you know, it's good match, you know, for the spot of the card. Uh, you know, and then
1: after, afterwards like you said they basically just had naito like abushi's been asking naito where he wants to do the match which is it's like a cool little reversal of the of the first time they did the title match where naito was bucking abushi to pick a place and abushi ended up picking msg so i think you know this time like there was real intrigue because like you did have two shows where you could do it i mean you have June united dominion but june 5th the best of super junior final is at Ryogoku so i mean that would have been big enough to do that as a semi-main you know so i thought that at least there was actually like real intrigue but um yeah anyway so that was a that was a cool little build like you said and we ended up getting paid off the next night uh and then we had juice robinson hiroki goto and mikey nichols defeating jay white bad luck Fale, and chase owens juice pinning chase in 1123 at pulp friction Again, I thought this was pretty much just a match. Nothing really to it. Um, and know, again, like the the white Goto thing, it was fine, I guess. It was just more of Goto looking like a geek, which I understand. I mean, they're building. You know, White's on a higher level and all that. Blah blah. But like, I don't know. Just, are, what do you think of the Goto thing? It's just really kind of sad to watch at this point. I feel, I feel like
0: it is. I would. Agree, I was going to use the word sad <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. It just is one of those bummers, and we'll talk about another one later in the show with uh, Jungle Kiona. But just something someone who's obviously very talented, and but you just watch them in and out just sort of lose, and it's just sort of depressing to watch. Um, it's not even like I've lost interest in Godot because I still like Godot. I think in other scenarios, I would just sort of be. I would say, well, forget this and just totally lose interest. But I think he's good enough, and then of course he can pull out the amazing match once every once in a while. Um, But he just seems to serve no point in the entire cup. Like he's just a body that's there, and occasionally they can go, oh, put him in the match, and he'll lose, and whatever. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the never the never title thing, and we're it kind of just. Destroyed him because it's like he spent so long with that title either winning it or challenging for it or winning it and challenging for it, like over and over and over again to the point where you know for two years basically to the point where nobody wants to see him do that anymore but it's like they don't have any other position for him because well i mean okay they both don't have one and they refuse to fucking find one because there's no reason there is no reason why he and Yoshihashi or he and Ishii can't, cannot be tag team champions. There is no fucking reason why we need G.O.D. to win these belts every two seconds and have them in these fucking boring title reigns that nobody cares about. Um, there's also no reason why he can't go for the U.S. title, except they've arbitrarily decided that the United States title um, can only be challenged for by foreigners, which I still don't understand. Like, what is the fucking point of that? Why do you have a title that 70% of your roster can't challenge for? It is very, it's very, very weird, but I don't know. They refuse to find him any other spot. No one wants to see him back with the fucking never because they basically beat that dead horse, you know, to the point of rigor mortis. And, you know, he can't really go for the intercontinental the the heavyweight because those are above his station at this point. And I, I think he could, and I'm sure a lot of people listening probably think he could, But clearly, they don't see him at that level anymore. So he's instead, he's in this stupid fucking spot where we forget he exists for months, and then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, Jay White needs a win because, you know, God forbid Jay White go a month without beating somebody in a singles match. So let's get Jay White a win over Hiroki Godo. And then he just loses, and now he's going to go back to doing nothing, probably. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this. It doesn't feel like it's leading anywhere. It feels like we're just wasting – the last like prime years of his career before he hits like full dad status. So two thumbs down for how they're booking Hiroki Goto. Um, next up, the special tag team match Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii against Sonata and evil evil beat Ishii by ref stoppage in the Scorpion death lock, not by submission.
0: Um, what do you think of this one? Um, I don't know that I even have that many thoughts. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Why do you have a, do you feel strongly about it one way or the other? I don't at all.
1: That's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you had like some kind of take where I could just be like, yeah, let's let Taylor talk. Cause I don't, I barely even remember the match that well.
0: Yeah. I'm totally, I mean, I also, <laughs> I also watched this show and night two, um, today. Oh, wow. So it was a, it was a lot. So I think this was one where it just sort of goes in the, you know, you watch and you're like, okay, nothing, you know, it was what it was, but then, you know, you see 10 more matches and it just goes out your brain.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking, I can look up what I rated it because I do thank God for grapple here, I guess. So I went, I went three, Oh, I went three, Three, and three quarters on, it. I guess I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> um, that's kind of funny, I guess. But yeah, I remember, you know, I guess I liked it, but I just don't remember anything about it. You know, a day later, it's more like I'm trying to remember specifically about the tag match, I just keep worrying that I'm remembering because these two people face each other's singles match the next day. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, evil. You know, I remember the. I guess I remember the end with the Scorpion Deathlock, and you know, it's it seemed like Ishii was you know really struggling the crowd was really into it so i don't know i think i just maybe slapped a rating on it and moved on with my life but there you go uh jeff cobb and taichi this i remember very well um so we might as well get the comedy out of the life here i gave this three and three quarters i really boo, liked it but... Boo. <laughs> but i just thought the middle was like i don't know like really really boring and like and just not very interesting but by the end, again, they really got me into it. Um, and, you know, they, there was, like, a whole awesome stretch run with Cobb with this sick power driver out of the gut and wrench and, like, tai Chi counting the tour of the islands in this cradle, which was a great near fall. Um, and I like that Taichi actually got to beat him almost clean, where he low-blowed him, you know, and got the near fall off the, the Gato clutch. But then after that, I just hit the Black Phantasmo and won, which I would have guessed he took a lot more cheating than that to beat him. But... You know they're building Tai Chi up now. But yeah, I mean I was like, oh, you know, I went three and three quarters. I'm sure lots of other people are gonna have it, you know, much lower. And I get in the slack and it's like Joe Lanza gives a four. I think Dylan Justin gave a four. And you pop in with your rating, which you can just say your own rating. You're on the bottom, Yeah, which
0: is four and a fourth. Uh, yeah. Although I do agree with you, if I mean if we're thinking of the same part of the match that's sort of the middle, I was sort of waiting for things to happen, and then all of a sudden a lot of things were happening. Um yes but that seems to be the sort of format of Tai Chi matches yeah. where the beginning starts incredibly slow. And then the question is, can they pick it up at the end, which they did in this instance. And sometimes the answer is no. Um, I just thought it was great. It got really hard hitting um, the announcers. I don't know if you listen to the Japanese or the English um, commentary Um, But the Japanese commentary was losing their was losing their minds. I thought they're going to like, you know, scream themselves hoarse with this finish because they were, ah, Um, which I always love. So that probably gave that extra Mm. um, quarter star. Um, But, you know, I just like people, you know, hitting each other. I think there was at one point when Taichi just kicked Cobb in the face, um, which I really liked, but was sort of taken aback by. Um, uh, But I just thought it was a really great, I mean, once they sort of got through that middle section, which I was sort of like, oh, okay. I thought it was a really heated, good match.
1: Did I say Black Mephisto? I hope I did. I'm afraid I didn't say something else. But either way, whatever. Yes, I agree with you. I thought it was really good down the stretch. I just thought that, that middle part was so boring that I would, you know, I don't know, really lost my interest for a little while. But, you know, I am I am not going to complain about a world where other people are rating Taichi matches higher than me. Like, we're we're in a good world now, if that's the case. But, okay, the main event, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. We, I should mention, too, Taichi won the fucking title. Which I feel like I'm burying the lead there. So Tai Chi is now a two time never champion. And like Minor Suzuki came out and like gave him a almost like a proud evil father, basically, like was like, Good job, son which I just thought was really funny. But yeah, this was awesome and I'm I'm happy Tai Chi is once again champion and now he gets to go we go into a show we're both going to with him as champion, which is really cool. So uh, I'm, I'm guaranteed to get at least a, a full Tai Chi entrance, probably with Miho Abe carrying the title down. So that's a, always appreciated. Yeah, uh, we'll get into who his opponent is the following night, but it's way what a guest, I think. And then the main event, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, Dragon Lee defeating Taiji Ishimori in 2553 with uh the desa desnucadora? Hopefully I at least came close there um to retain the title and again really really awesome match i'm very glad they i mean the one thing i think anyone we we talked about this last week too like you cannot complain about these long tours when it comes to like giving different matches that don't only get to go 25 minutes you know these long ass matches and i think this this and the the junior tag title match both really benefited from it benefited from it um you know this was you know, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was awesome. Um, I thought Ishimori's like crucifix bomb counter was one of my favorite spots in the match. Uh, Dragon Lee like one-upping that apron Rana by Ibushi to Naito from MSG by doing it, doing one where he like starts in the ring and like kind of like one arms his way over onto the apron. I think he's done that before, but it was an awesome spot. Um, there were like a couple spots I thought could have looked a little cleaner and maybe were a little like. Um, a little awkward and to me for a massive, such a big spot fest like this, you have to knock it down a little bit for that. But the fact that I managed to go 25 minutes without dragging is very impressive. And that's why I'm still going four and a quarter here.
0: Uh, I went four and a half. I really liked it. I was really down on Ishimori at the beginning of the year when he won the title. Cause I felt that he had been good, but not really great except outside of the um, best of the super juniors match. Um, last year, but he has been very good. And I thought that this match was great. Um, I really love the sequence um, of the suplet. The, I I don't even know what you call it. uh, The snap suplex off the ropes into the Canadian destroyer. Um, That whole sequence I thought was really strong. I mean, I think dragon Lee is a lot of people love him and think highly of him. And I think even with, a lot of the praise he gets, he's still a little bit underrated to me. Um, You know, he's up there, obviously, he's linked with Hiromu. um, But I think he's up there in terms of talent when he gets opportunities like this to deliver, um, which when he's in CMLL, because of the way that company works, those opportunities come less often than they probably should. Um, So I'm happy to see him with the title here. Um, And I thought it was a really strong match, really fun match. Um, Yeah, so I went four and a half.
1: So overall, pretty good show, especially since the last two matches delivered. And yeah, it's not the undercard was awful or anything, so good show. Definitely a lot better than Dontaku Night 1 last year. (laughs) Do you remember that?
0: No, Um, what was the the card?
1: (laughs) The main events were uh, that fucking Cody-Ibushi match that proved... The Tokyo Dome one was a miracle. Oh, it was a fluke, yeah. Yeah, and then the Kenny Cody, the Kenny Page match that was, like, pretty decent, but also had, like, one of the most dead crowds over here for a New Japan-made event. Like, the crowd just didn't give a single shit. So, um, yeah, that show fucking sucked. I mean, that was one of the worst shows of the year last year. But, you know, this year, I think, you know, obviously, a big, big improvement. You should mention the attendance, too. So I just told you what the main event was, which was it was a Kenny Omega match, which you know, whatever you may think of the guy, that he's a pretty big star. This show did only did 55 less fans than that show from last year. It did 4,011, I think, versus 4,066. So at that scale, you're talking basically the same. So a junior title match and Taichi versus Cop and the the Never Title did the same, basically the same attendance as the big Bullet Club Civil War thing with... You know, top stars Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi in the top two matches. That's pretty impressive, right there.
0: But uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the attendance? Um, I mean, it's good they kept it up there. I mean, I'm happy to see. I mean, I think it was a little bit of a strange the whole sort of year last year. Looking back in hindsight, was sort of a bizarre year. Yeah. Um, and I think in five years or so, we're going to look back and go, "What was up with that?" What was mm-hmm. going on? I mean, obviously, we know certain things that were going on, but it just feels very strange to think back. I mean, you mentioned the matches, and I i don't even know if, not knowing them, if you had asked me if I would have ever been able to pull those two matches out <laughs> of, of my brain. I just don't know that I would have been able to do it because that was just such a bizarre pre- period of time in, in the company.
1: Yeah, the fact, the fact the crowd just didn't give a shit. They just really didn't give a shit about that, that fucking Bullet Club Civil War thing. But other than that, the only time I can say they ever gave a shit was uh, that they did re- they reacted a lot better to the, to the Corican, uh the Honor Rising Corkin when, you know, Kenny and Coda, you know, got the team together. But I think that was as much about just seeing the Golden Lovers come back together than it was about anything with the Bullet Club Civil War. So, um but yeah, I mean, just a much better show this year for Dantaku Night 1. Uh, so that brings us to Duntaku Night 2, which of course was today uh, on May 4th. So the opener here was a, the, the two Young line teams going head-to-head, Shota Umino and Red Narita defeating Yota Suji and Yuya Urimura. In 736, Umino pinning Suji with the Fisherman Suplex. It was another solid Young line tag.
0: Agreed. <laughs> yes. There's nothing to say about that.
1: <laughs> and then the 10-man tag after that was a the suzuki Goon team of Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Kanemaru, Desperado, and Taka, defeating Jeff Cobb, Yoshihashi, Toahanare, Tiger Mask, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, ta- Taichi pinned pin Hanare with the Juji-yo, which apparently is what they're calling... His super kick, because he just kicked him in the head and pinned him. Um first of all, if you haven't been watching the promos, Hanari has been teasing that he wants to shot the Never title, which like for it's fucking ridiculous from, from like a storyline perspective, because I don't think he's ever pinned anyone other than Young Lion, you know? Um and, and it's not like he's been on some huge role. He's gotten a few Young Lion pins. He still gets pinned all the time. It's, it's really, really ridiculous that he even suggested that. So it, I was afraid they were actually going to do that match, but I don't think they're going to do it now since Taichi just, you know, the new Never Champion just pinned him in this tag, and it seems like we know his direction now for his next title shot. But, yeah, I don't even know. It was weird they had an tease he wanted it, but um, just he hadn't done anything even to remotely deserve it. And then the other person who teased he wanted a shot was takuchi but he is going to get a one-on-one match with Taichi at, uh taichi mania which i believe is coming up on may 7th so a few days after most of you listen to this so that um I, that match as far as i know is still non-title so maybe they'll have taguchi win the big upset and get a title shot i doubt it though but yeah any thoughts on this man tag uh no <laughs> no i like the super kick finish a lot that's it's a cool finish i think i hope he does it more like I mean, it was, it was sort of
0: interesting to see finally a little bit of a change from the Liger-Suzuki stuff, but, you know. yeah, Not that I haven't liked it, but I've now seen it seven times or however many times.
1: Yeah. I, I like him in this. I mean, he's, he's, he's slowly been like – I mean, Gerard, we had on last week, talked about this in the review. It feels like Taichi's now morphing the style a little bit where he's being more, like, subtle – in his heel mannerisms and he's also like relying a lot more on the kicking which i think will help him get over it with some people that like have resisted him so far but we'll see some people get very stubborn like uh people i know uh this is also the match too where yoshihashi like to be redefined doing nothing where taguchi was doing like that the spot where he like waves everybody in like he's the baseball manager and just waving everybody in to, to do the running clothesline. And everybody else is like running full steam. And then Yoshi actually gets up there and does like at best a half jog. And it's like, you know, you're mailing it in when you're even mailing in your comedy run, basically. He's like just trotting when everybody else is running. So, I mean, I'm not hating on the guy. The guy's doing nothing. So I don't really, I don't know if I blame him that much. But it's just, I just thought it was funny. Uh, but yeah, this ended up being pretty fun by the end. I liked I liked the final stretch with Taichi and Honore, Uh but it didn't go that long. So, and then up next was the Bullet Club tag: uh, Juice and Thunder Liger, Toge Makabe, and Toriano defeating Tama Tonga, Jado, and Tonga Loa. Uh, Yano Jado with a schoolboy in seven forty. This was not very good. I didn't think it was just, kind of just a match.
0: Um, Wait, did sorry, you mean that? Gato? Oh, is no, Cage J- Match wrong? Oh, Cage Match is Yeah, really wrong.
1: yeah it's Jado.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. um, But, yeah, so Jado got pinned here, and whatever, man. I don't know. Uh, This did make Bullet Club, like, 0 for 4 on their anniversary weekend, which I thought was funny. But, you know, I'm sure they did that on purpose. Because they lost all three matches the previous night, too, including, obviously, Ishimori in the main event. But... Yeah, those fucking kimonos that look ridiculous. I don't know if you look if you have any. We've already given fashion opinions. Those kimonos look kind of stupid.
0: I didn't even I looked at them and I went, why are they wearing wrestling Dontaku kimonos? And then I saw the date and I was and I thought, oh, it's the anniversary kimono, <laughs> kimono I guess. Um I mean they were f- at the end of the day inoffensive I guess you just walk in with them and you take them off but it's just so straight you know oh it's been 6 years I mean in some ways it feels like it's been longer than 6 years yeah um yeah but yeah another match you know sort of this undercard was my you know I was like it's the end of the tour most of the most of the matchups are matches that have happened on previous nights, so the heat isn't there to build anything. Um, until obviously we get to a couple matches from now when we have a debut and stuff like that. But you know, largely sort of inoffensive matches on the undercard. Oh, we forgot
1: to mention too the lot the previous night they they played that video after Juice's match. Actually, they played on both nights, but it, first on the first night with the the Times Up guy. Yes. Uh, I, was just, I, I. Guess is probably Chris Brooks from Red Pro. That seems to be the popular guess. Um, I, I can't tell you if the guy is good or not. I don't watch British wrestling, but I've heard no, that he's not. So who the fuck knows, I guess.
0: So I think it's definitely not Chris Brooks. Oh, because okay. the hands don't look at all like Chris Brooks' hands. Um, and I mentioned this earlier. I think it's Oka. Because well, that I would think, be awesome. I think Oka comes back. And I, th- and I would hope Kawato would go to Ring of Honor, which is the usual, you know, they go to CMMLL, then they go to Ring of Honor. And then you can send Amino and Narito, one of them to CMLL and one of them to RevPro. Because then you've got the spots open because they usually don't send more than one person to the same company at a time. Um, unless I'm misremembering someone. Well, but, unless they're like,
1: show and Yell were like a tag team, but that's about it.
0: Well, yeah, they were, a, you know, they were sort of, you know, put together in a tag team. But yeah, so that's one. But to me, it would be Oka. I mean, I, it didn't look like Brooks to me, certainly. Um, but the fact that they were teasing some, that it was some British person, I mean, I hope it's not some, you know, down the rung, you know, British, <laughs> British guy who all of those people run together for me. They're all, you know, interchangeable, and I'm sort of growing tired of sort of middle of the road white people showing up in New Japan. But um, boy,
1: boy, are you not wrong there.
0: <laughs> um, uh, and I and I think Oka would be, you know, you know, he got stuck with a bad gimmick like a lot of people do when they go on like ex- excursion. But I think he could be very good. Um, wish new Japan maybe would um, discover that there's other weapons in the world outside of knives
1: uh,
0: <laughs> that people use um, lots of edgelord stuff um, with including the video after the main events, <laughs> which is all everyone wears a leather jacket and, you know, hangs out in creepy bars and tents and shit like that. So,
1: um, what I was gonna say about that too is, it's, I saw someone. I think it was Brady on Twitter um, who pointed out like Gato kind of just took the Hiromu one and the Jay White one and just put them to- and like mashed them together, <laughs> which is kind of true. It's like time and knife, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I I hope it's Oka because that's a good way to bring him back. Is like just put him right in a few and choose Robinson and maybe let him beat him for the U.S. title. I mean, God knows that U.S. title needs something. And, you know, not that I don't i don't really have anything against Juice Robinson, but, like, Juice versus shitty Foreigner of the Month has gotten really old. <laughs> really, really old. Um, and that's maybe a little harsh to Chase and Beretta, but, like, maybe the better term that is Juice versus not over Foreigner of the Month because, like, it's just not – it just has not worked at all. Um, so I hope they, they go in a different direction with that belt and maybe make it mean something. You know, it's not like Juice can't win it back from him, maybe, but – I we need to try something else other than Juice goes through all the other foreigners. Because um, just none of the other foreigners are over right now. I mean, like, I was afraid they were going to do Juice versus Mikey Nichols next. And, like, that would have been, like, the most boring match you could have done. Because, you know, Mikey just is not even... I mean, Mikey is not over even, like, to Chase Owens' level. Let alone, like, you know, someone who's actually really over in Japan. So uh but yeah so that's pretty much it i guess for that and the video played again after the next match oh do you think it could be david finley i've seen that speculation
0: um i mean i guess it could it could be a lot of it could be a lot of people um yeah i I just hope it's not chris brooks
1: i I some other random white person
0: i mean i from (laughs) what everyone's been saying i guess i like brooks more (laughs) than most people i guess i'm learning that Um, But I like him more as a tag wrestler. Um, The thing about Finley is that it doesn't... Just the idea behind, okay, if it's Finley, you're saying that Finley's been in New Japan for many years and not really doing much of anything, and he gets injured, and then New Japan goes, okay, we'll give him... Uh, I just don't see the logical mm. steps behind that of going, ah, he got injured. This is the moment we're finally going to push David Finley. Well, maybe they feel like it's an opportunity to kind of repackage him and give him a shot.
1: I mean, they were already starting to give him some wins before he got injured. Finally. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you could be right. Maybe it's too drastic with Steph, but look, I would, I'd be fine with it being Finley. I'd be really happy if it's Oka. Cause I think Oka like you, I think Oka has a lot of potential. I like to see them, really give him a shot. I think it could be a good spot for him. Uh Chris Brooks, I don't you know, I don't know enough about the guy to tell you if it's gonna be good or bad. I just not that interested. And I definitely don't want to see just some other random uh Brit Rez person. So like you said, we have enough fucking white people and I Japan mean already.
0: something like Brooks and Gresham against like Rapongi three K or um Los and Nobles. Uh would what did be you <laughs> that was my I for some reason I lost my ability to say los in <laughs> Gobernobles. No, los in Gobernobles. Los in. See, I'm still i have still lost it <laughs> because I'm so distracted by Chris Brooks. Um, no, but like matches in the junior because I've seen Brooks have very good tag matches, but I consider him a much better tag wrestler than a singles wrestler. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the idea of bringing him in and then tagging him with someone who's appearing also for the first time in Gresham because they're a a sort of semi-regular team. Um, And I just think the junior division... I don't know that they're really all that concerned with bringing in more junior tag um, teams at this point, because they've just, I think, as we'll talk in the next match, created, I think, a new one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But I just don't see... I mean, the hands, to me, was the giveaway where it doesn't look anything like... I mean, maybe they... You know, film someone else's hands, but yeah. So
1: after that, we had the the match that made Bullet Club go 0 for five, where Goto, Juice, Mikey Nichols, and Hornwood defeated Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Hikuleo. Uh, Juice pinning Hikuleo 11:57 with the Pulp Fiction, and that's where they played the times up video again. Can I say something too? People seem to be on this train now with Hikuleo, where it's like, oh, he's showing a lot of promise
0: i don't do you see that because i really don't see it like he just looks I, like a guy to me no i don't see it
1: he looks like a big tall guy who loses all the time like i don't really see it. he still looks pretty green to me he doesn't show me any like he doesn't show any flashes like the problem to me is he has no there's no flash of in-ring charisma yet you know and like that's something you like you can get better as a worker with more experience i mean some people never do i mean you never so you never know but you can get better at that but it's much harder to get better inman charisma it does happen i mean look at like shinsuke nakamura is probably the most famous example but it's much rarer than getting better as a worker so usually if with inman charisma if you don't show it early on it can be really really hard to show it later so that's my, that would be my big problem with him is he, he doesn't have any presence to him, especially for a guy that big, like there's nothing about him that makes you like really want to like keep your eyes on him. So that's my he's big very, issue.
0: He has very feathered hair, which <laughs> always throws me off because every time he comes out, I think he's about to go in for a, like a shampoo commercial where they say, oh, your luscious locks will be restored. Um, So I don't know. The whole thing, I'm just thrown off by something. He has the look like he just carries himself sort of like a kind guy, but he's obviously supposed to be a heel because he's in Bullet Club. Um, Yeah, he has Big
1: Show syndrome. He's like a big dude, but he looks like he's
0: probably really nice in real life. So, yeah, I mean, but he's young. I know people are now going, oh, he's getting great. But, you know, I don't think so, but it doesn't mean he could, you know, turn it around at some point. But not for me yet.
1: Then we had the debut of El Phantasmo, team with Taiji Ishimori, defeating Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay. Uh, this match went just under 10 minutes. Uh, does Phantasmo's finish have a name? Because they just called it a modified face buster here uh i I don't know so he pinned osprey this was pretty good i went three and a half on this uh it was pretty fun you know just just an all-out spot fest junior tag i mean there's a couple things i want to talk about here first of all i don't i've never this is probably my first time ever seeing fantasmo and he looked he looked fine i don't really didn't come away with a huge feel for him yet um just kind of came off like a flippy white guy which i guess is what he probably is um, he didn't like really annoy me in the match either though. So that's
0: good, I guess. Uh, do you have any hot takes on and ELP? So I've seen him once before I saw his match two years ago. He had a match in Canada with, um, Kyle O'Reilly. That was really good. I gave it four stars, but that was the first and only time I've ever seen him. Um, I thought he was good. Like you sort of generic. Um, There were three things that bugged me. The first was spitting on the hand. I'm incredibly anti-spitting, especially in the, you know, if you're doing a sort of spit on your opponent like Naito does, I'm okay with that because it sort of involves less like, look at my thing of spit I have. Um, So I didn't like that. I didn't like the thing where he had um, Osprey in the Tree of Woe and then he just went and he stood on his nuts. Uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty stupid. Didn't like that. And then I didn't like at the end when he teabagged Will Osprey with the medical uh, ice bag. I didn't like – like, it all came off – like, all three of those things came off as very sort of juvenile to me in a weird way where I was like, ooh, I don't like – this is like some weird white guy who thinks that you know teabagging someone is funny, like some bro who's like, "Hey, isn't this hilarious?" And it's yeah. like no, it's sort of just stupid. Um, but I mean, he d- he did well in the ring. I mean, certainly better than some other people have done in their first match, especially with the big hype, with all the video with the video playing all the time. Um, and I think that he um i mean i don't know i sort of booked it out to i can imagine that they would have a junior title shot on dominion i mean that's what i'm thinking he and ishimori will be doing
1: tag yeah junior
0: tag yeah junior tag Um, um
1: yeah which that'd be cool i mean look the junior tag feud needs to go somewhere else now clearly and you know i think they could probably have a really good match those four guys i mean taiji's been awesome all year and silver punky three K. So even if Fantasma is not great, how far can he drag that? How far down can he drag that? You know,
0: I mean, it'd also be nice to get him. I mean, this has only been one match, so uh, it's not really a complaint of mine, but to get Fantasma, into a match where he's not across. He's not doing the Spider-Man meme with Will Osprey. <laughs> yeah, um, so, and just to see him against two people who are very different than him, instead of like I'm Will Osprey and I'm El Fantasmo, and we're sort of the same two versions of the same guy.
1: Um, Will in general just works so much better for me in Japan. Reason they were juniors instead of heavyweights. I just think it makes it looks so much less ridiculous having other people sell for his like fucking featherweight offense when they're when they're at least other tiny people, you know. But. I think maybe that may be an issue I've had with his heavyweight run so far this year. It just looks kind of silly to me sometimes. Um, but as far as like any, I don't know. I does he grunt last when he's in there with juniors or is that my imagination?
0: Like, I feel like he really, does. I think I noticed the grunting less than you do. <laughs> so I don't uh, I'm not even I sure he, I could say,
1: <laughs> I think
0: he grunts less when he's in there with
1: juniors, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Alright, after that, the six man tag, Koda Ibushi and a punky three K against L. I. J. for the second straight night. Uh, this time it was L. I. J. getting the win, with Naito pitting Yo with the Destino in thirteen forty seven. This was awesome. Like, I don't know, they really first of all, Fukuoka was so loud just for Naito and Ibushi fucking facing off in a six man tag. That you like, if you just turned it on, you would probably, and had no idea what you're watching, you would probably think they're in an IC title match because, like, they were that loud at the start of that match when they faced off. Um, But yeah, I thought this match was awesome. Uh, I went four stars flat on it. You know, I thought it was maybe my favorite undercard tag of uh, the entire tour, if not the entire year so far in New Japan. I mean, they just went nuts to an exchange. Like, Naito and Ibushi had, like, some really cool exchanges early on. Uh, uh, Naito did that modified Gloria where he like dropped Ibushi right on his fucking neck. Um, and there are also like, there was a Bushi versus Takagi had a really cool sequence. I mean, the the pop-up death by a driver by Takagi was awesome. Uh, and then Naito and Yo just had a really, really, really hot closing stretch with, you know, just Yo going for the, Yo even tried to go for the new dragon suplex finisher, but Naito got out of it before that. So yeah, I thought that was just, just an awesome six pin tag.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I had a little bit of syndrome of I was sort of eager to get to the two big singles matches, Um, but I really liked it. I mean, obviously, Naito and Ibushi are great together, Um, and I think that they've done a really great job with uh, sort of creating layers of this for Pongi 3K and LIJ uh, story. In terms of that, I think it's one of those, as I mentioned before, it can sort of sometimes be hard to invest in these undercard matches after the match they're sort of building to is done. But I think they've still done a good job. Obviously, there's this running story of Shingo never being pinned and his stuff with show. Um, So I think it was good, yeah. I want to
1: mention too, by the way, um, because it's going to come up here in a second, So for a while, I thought Okada versus Jay white was going to be the dominion main event. Were you feeling that same way too, for a little bit?
0: Well, yes, but only because I didn't really see any other, I mean, I was like, well, I guess Ishii could beat evil and challenge, but that doesn't really ever happen with stable members.
1: Yeah. That to me just doesn't feel like quite big enough for dominion, but I think it would have been awesome though. Um, but the other issue, I you know the other thing, reason why I thought they were going to do that is because Jay White himself had started talking about being next in line for the title, which I'm like, okay, well they're making it really obvious now. But it turns out that was a bit of misdirection. Now I kind of knew it was a bit of mis- misdirection when I went to watch this show because New Japan once again spoiled themselves on New Japan World. Um, when I loaded up the show on uh, my Fire Stick when I you know th- today when I went to go watch it the first three videos are visible. So they are the Dontaku Night 2 with Japanese commentary, Dontaku Night 2 with English commentary, and then uploaded separately a message from Chris Jericho. So I'm like, oh well, I wonder who the fuck he's here to challenge. I mean, what else would he be here to challenge, you know? So, but I mean, I was very happy because I think, you know, even, even if Okada Jericho doesn't end up being like an amazing match, and I really have no idea what to expect from, from that match, I'm still way more interested in seeing that live at Dominion than, you know, Okada White for the second time. Since we were, you, you know, you and I are both at MSJ, so.
0: Yes, I feel the same.
1: Um, but, yeah, so that brings us to Hiroshi Tanahashi coming out. Uh, Tanahashi just got his elbow cast off yesterday. Wink, wink um i don't know i mean maybe (laughs) maybe the elbow injuries are is real who the fuck knows but like they do this every year with him so this was his fucking break before the g1 but yeah he's announced he'd be back on june 5th at the best of super junior final and then jay white came out to confront him so it turns out all that talk about jay white as the next one to challenge the title was just a reason for him to come out and yell at tanahashi and be like i'm next in line not you you're even behind goto which was a great line actually But, yeah, so he tried to lay him out. The entire Hontai locker room, I guess, were fucking assholes because none of them came out to make the save when he was going to, like, hit him with the fucking chair. All four young lions had to rush the ring to make the save, which I thought was funny. But they did give Tanahashi enough time to get away, Uh, but that set up. So that's apparently setting up a Jay White-Tanahashi match, which... Well, I guess that could be for the Best of Super Junior final that would be a cool match to do I guess is like the number 2 or 3 match on that show because like be- below the final I don't think you need that at Dominion you already have Okada um, Okada Jericho and Naito Ibushi because we forgot to mention Naito did announce he was going to take the Ice Teto match at Dominion after he won the six fan tag so you could put that other match on the Best of Super Junior final I think So I mean that could work um yeah and i think
0: they they need something don't they because ticket sales have not i mean they haven't flown out the door i know it's early but
1: yeah uh so far i mean that's why i thought they might do a bushy night there there but yeah so far tickets right now are it was just the i think it was just the the ringside sold out and maybe the second floor special was almost sold out but those two categories you know they usually sell out completely just in the fan club presale so yeah, that's exactly where they are right now. I just checked. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- there's no way of knowing how many of that actually means because, you know, they could have, they may have sold a lot of Arena A and B in second floor reserve, just not enough to get it to a few left. But, you know, we'll see, I guess, if, that, if this helps at all. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's uh, that's interesting that they're going to do that match. I assume Tom going to get his win back, but you never really know.
0: Well, I do have to say I do believe – tanahashi that he just got his cast off because he was so busy doing that he did not have any time to put on any pants before he came out to the (laughs) ring as he came out in a white t-shirt suit jacket and his what looked like his underwear am i wrong (laughs) it looked like his underwear underwear.
1: (laughs) that's pretty funny um but yeah so that was a cool little angle i that match could be good i mean i I didn't love their match at New Beginning. I only went four flat on it, but you know, at least it's another big match for those two shows. I think it's a good idea, I guess. Presumably that means they're not gonna do it in a G1, so why not, you know, let Tanegades win back here. I don't, do you have any thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I uh I agree. I think do you think they would add another because it's gonna be the Super Juniors final, and if they do that match like, what's the third? What's the third match from the top?
1: Maybe junior tag. Titles? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Unless one of the unless in the final.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they could do that. The only issue with that is that you've got no time to yeah. build yeah. it because if the people are still in, then you're going to be announcing it the day before or whatever it is. What if,
1: you could do, Liger Suzuki. Yeah, they could do that. Yeah. So no. I mean let's say like a top three of yeah the, the junior final uh which I think will be Shingo and Osprey. Um the the junior well I mean we won't know until we'll know more when we know the blocks, but that's my pre uh block announcement prediction. Um then the junior then the Tanashi J. White and then maybe Liger Suzuki and then Dominion, that leaves your top three to be Oh, well, well, Six six five. and this guy's supposed to show up, right? Maybe they'll do Juice versus that guy.
0: Oh, yeah, I, th- I didn't think about that. He, that is yeah. when the guy's supposed to show up now. I don't know that that means <laughs> that the title matches then, but... That's true, that's true. Well,
1: anyway, so those top three, and then Dominion, you have a top three of Okada, Jericho, Naito, Ibushi, and as we'll get to in a second, Taichi Ishii. That's a pretty strong top three, too. I mean, I, I don't got a problem with that
0: yeah so um and then of course you've got the tag titles to fill in somewhere i
1: think it's gonna be evil sonata again do you think that
0: not, i mean what else are they gonna do maybe uh i don't know where's shane Hayes? get him over here
1: <laughs> um but yeah so that leads us to evil ishii he's semi-main here um, I think I'm a little lower on this than some people. I went four and a quarter on it. I thought it was, you know, the start was really awesome. The closing stretch was really awesome. I thought it really dragged in the middle, and that really hurt it for me. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people go four and a half and four and three quarters, which I, ju- I think the middle is just too boring for me to really go that high. But, you know, four and a half, I, have, I mean, four and a quarter, I still loved it quite a bit, just not quite at that level. What did you think?
0: So I did have it at four and a half, but I can see I can see what you mean. Like my four and a half would probably be closer to four and a fourth and four and three quarters. Um, I liked it. I mean, I don't really have that much to say. In that, I think the things I like about it are the things I like really about every issue you match um, at this point, which sounds like a criticism, where you say, "Oh, it's you know, it's the same match he always has." But I love all of his matches. Um, and when I say it's an Ishii match, I think that people who watch New Japan know it's sort of you know what you're getting um, with that style of match. There was that headbutt where Ishii headbutted Evil, not on the top of the head, but it looked like in the face, um, which sort of um, surprised me a little bit. But yeah, I went I went four and a half, um, but it. To me, I think I'm a higher I think I'm on the higher end of rating things, probably. And so this feels like one of those four and a half matches where six months from now I look back at my list and I go, Oh yeah, that that was that match, but what you know, and I don't remember that much about it. Um so it could fall a little, but I liked it, but not much to say because it, you know. It's the match I expected, and that was the match they had.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, it, I, I don't really have any complaints besides the fact that I thought the middle was really boring. But, um, you know, still really good match. Obviously, the, the, end, the ending closing stretch really made up for it. So still enough for me to go four and a quarter. That brings us to the main event. Oh, and by the way, when Ishii was talking backstage... Kaishi made it official. He did challenge him to fight him for the Never Open White title, which I, I thought that was going to be the direction when when these cards are booked. I thought maybe you know, Ishii and Evil would be like a, a number one contender Never title match, basically, since I didn't see what Alpha winner here would be challenging for, since I thought the... I, mean, I thought the Heavyweight was going to Jay White, but ended up going a different direction. So, that makes sense, and it's a rematch of a match that everybody seemed to love from the New Japan Cup. So i'm quite excited for that one uh the main event the iwgp heavyweight title okada defeating sonata to retain the title this match went 38 minutes and three seconds very long match um so i liked it but i did not like it anywhere near as much as their new japan cup match there were a few complaints i had with it here first of all uh okada is not very good at like selling he's very inconsistent at it so when that has to happen for a long part of the match, that's always going to hurt a little bit. Um, I, I mostly liked the first 20 minutes, just not quite as much as I liked the early part of the match in the new Japan cup match. I thought they were doing a lot more interesting mat work. Um, It was minutes 20 to 30 that really killed it for me as far as being like a really elite level match. Um, You know, I thought they had this really like around the 22 minute mark. They had like a, like a pinfall reversal sequence that just didn't look very good at all um that would be like a that really kind of took me out of it just when i thought it should be ramping up and from like that 10 minute stretch it just felt like they were sort of on different pages and it looked very awkward at times especially compared to what i thought was a lot smoother in the new japan cup final um after the 30 minute mark i thought it picked up a lot uh and that's what kind of saved it for me from being like a bad match you know or being at least like an average match um you know the the last like few minutes, especially like with Sonata going for those moonsaults and everything, the crowd was really going nuts, and all that stuff looked good. So I thought they like pulled it out of the fire at the end. Uh, I ended up going three and three quarters on it, but you know I just obviously that's way below what I had the New Japan Cup final match, which was four and three quarters. So just not even close to that match for me. What would you think?
0: I feel a little sense of deja vu talking about this match. Is the last time I was on, we talked about it. A- okada sonata match that i liked less than you um so i would go three and a fourth Um, my no my first complaint is why was this match almost 40 minutes long Um, i don't understand it it was very long it felt very long and we touched on it earlier with jericho the one hope i have for jericho i don't know if that match will be any good at all i have no idea my one hope is Jericho cannot go 40 minutes. I know, I know that for a fact, and so I hope they don't go 40 minutes because I would, you know, there is, um, and people have mentioned this before, but why is it that seemingly all of these heavyweight title matches go this long? You know, can we get one that's 25 minutes Which, by the way, is still very long. (laughs) Which, yes, is still very long, but not as long as this. And so my hope is that in addition to maybe knocking Okada out of his sort of formula that he's now developed for these matches, is that the length of it will also be shorter, which might help um, what I think is sort of these matches where I think they go into the doldrums pretty often where I just sort of lose. It's not even that I get to, you know, sometimes you watch a match and something happens on your phone and you look at your phone and then you get distracted and you're like, oh, I missed it. I was watching this match very closely and I felt weirdly like I was zoning. I, I couldn't really focus on it because I wasn't all that interested. Um, it, it's just, and I've talked about it on this show before, I am not... I really cannot get interested in Sonata. He just to me is a total blank slate, nothing. I don't know what, what is he? I I don't even really know who he is when you think about it. I mean, he's a wrestler. He, you know, is an LIJ, but I, if you said, what is this guy? You have to describe his personality In three words, you can't use wrestler or anything he does. I mean, he's sort of quiet and intense. And I I don't even know if I could think of a third word. I just find him. so, And obviously, he's over with people, as is proved in this match with the crowd going crazy. But he's just not for me. So I think I was already behind the eight ball in terms of liking this match. And I just thought it went too long and it felt very much like a, um, Okada, you know, going through the steps type of match. So that's my thoughts.
1: What'd you give the New Japan cup final? Do you remember?
0: I gave it four and a fourth.
1: Okay. So you, we were almost, we were exactly a half star different on both of them. That's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I like it sound a lot more than you do, but I just—I mean, his character is supposed to be like a, I don't know, like a quiet millennial. <laughs> That's really the vibe I always got. Like, he's just a, a younger guy, you know, he's a different generation. And, you know, he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. But, you know, I get it if it's not really. I mean, quiet millennial, quiet goth is another way to put it. and Or quiet, like, quasi-goth, which really obviously connects with the Japanese crowds a lot. But, you know, maybe doesn't really connect with americans as much which i kind of get i guess but yeah i don't know i love the guy but i get why he's not everybody's cup of tea um this was not his best performance though and i thought it was actually a pretty poor performance by okada and this was the second okada title match i wasn't really into in a row uh because i didn't really like the the jay white match at msg either and you know at the time i really blamed that on jay but I'd like to see Okada maybe turn things around a little bit here. I know people are going to be like, oh, people are hating on Okada again because he won the title back. And I don't really think that's the case. I think, you know, most people's opinions have hardened – have long ago hardened on him one way or the other. And I, I like Okada. I'm not like an Okada hater or anything. But, you know, he's in my number two match of the year with with Sonata from the New Japan Cup final. But, like, I don't know. I'm just a little – I haven't really liked these last two matches, you know. It happens to every wrestler, I guess, but it's just more pronounced when you're the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. So we'll see. I mean, I still gave it three and three quarters. I guess I shouldn't say I didn't like it, but just not at like the the New Japan main event level of like four plus. So we'll see. The Jericho match is very interesting, and obviously after the main event, we, you know, we had the the lights going out and the Jericho video playing. I think it'll be really. You know, it's really kinda cool that they're we're gonna get that like Jericho's gonna do a main event against Omega and Okada within two weeks. So it's kinda gonna be like a little comparison point and I you know, I do wonder. I'm sure both guys are gonna be trying very hard to have the better match, knowing knowing what those two guys are both like. But I mean that's exactly two weeks apart, I think, right? It's like May twenty fifth.
0: May twenty fifth and, and you know, I would have to look like, at a calendar. It's like fifteen yeah. <laughs> days apart.
1: So I think the the it's two weekends. It is two weeks apart. It's just the the AEW show I think is on a Saturday versus a Sunday for New for Dominion. But all right, but that's Dun Tacker Night Two. Um, overall, good show. I actually think I like Night One better, which I really wasn't expecting to going in. But you know, both shows are good. Don't really have any complaints either way.
0: If Give you me. liked if you liked uh, Tai Chi more, you might really like Night One, but. Yeah. too bad you don't <laughs>
1: uh all right so let's talk some joshi first of all we, we can start the stardom the stardom cinderella tournament because we can blow right through that i think um let's talk about the elephant in the room let's get it out of the way that motherfucker with his fucking chance uh, they were very very annoying and this is the topic we alluded to or much earlier that like know what wrestling Twitter was in a tizzy about Um, I don't know look I I think everybody kind of can guess where I'm going to come down on this if you haven't seen my tweets if you're in a foreign country okay and I've been to Japan twice you and I are going back there in almost exactly a month now if you're going to a foreign country I mean look you should not be an annoying fucking asshole at wrestling shows at all okay please don't do it anywhere really but if you're going to a foreign country, it should be, like, doubly important that you're trying to make an effort to blend in with the rest. what the rest of the crowd is doing. If you are going to Japan, you should be doing what the Japanese fans do. And you should be trying to do it in a way that's respectful and in a way that, you know, is not going to make you stand out in a negative way. You know, you are not just there as yourself, right? You're there to represent western fans because they don't get a lot of them i mean they get more than ever now but they don't get a ton of them like you're you stand out these shows so what you're doing there is going to have a negative reflection on all the other people who are going to japan and want to be respectful and want to respectfully enjoy japanese wrestling the idea you don't want to be an annoyance and so the next time another fucking white person walks into cork and hall Japanese wrestling fans are going to look and go, oh, the last one was really fucking annoying. I hope this one's not going to be as bad. So when you do something like that, that's what you're doing to the rest of us. You're making all of us look bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, look, the guy, I guess he didn't really say anything that bad. I guess it was mostly just, you know, let's go blank. And then like, he kept doing these fucking chants where he was doing the, the beat of like, you know, that the elite, the the elite chant. First he did it for B, Pri- B Priestley. Where he's like, be Priestly, be, be Priestly. And then he did it for Konami, which somehow sounded even worse. He's like, Konami, Konami. But, like, you're doing it to utter silence. Everybody else is trying to take in the match, you know, especially at Joshi. He did it in New Japan All Japan, too. But at Joshi, it stands out more. Joshi crowds, you know, they do they do a little bit of chanting. But for the most part... They yell for their favorite. They yell when they're in trouble, and they watch a little more quietly than other Japanese, than like male Japanese wrestling crowds. Is that fair? You watch even more draws than I do. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? Yeah,
0: I think that's fair.
1: So when you're the only person chanting, it really stands out. It annoys the other fans, and you show no like fucking self awareness. If you, I don't think you should start try to start a chant at all if you go to Japan. I think you should like sit there. You can do the wrestler calls if you don't know want to do them. You're supposed to do them like, um, what do I mean by wrestler calls? In other words, when when they yell out the name, when they just yell the name once, those are the wrestler calls. And those are very popular at Joshi shows. They're also popular at male wrestling shows too. But like, so if you're watching a match and you want to cheer on Konami and she's getting her ass kicked, that's when you should yell, Konami! <laughs> oh, excuse me. Just yell Konami's name once, you know? That's it. That's all you have to do. So, and that's what a lot of the other fans do. And it's, you're showing your support for the wrestler. As long as you're not doing it over and over and over again, no one's going to think you're annoying, really. So you can do that. And you can also join in on chants when the people chant them. But for sure, you should not be starting chants. Definitely not when nobody else is joining in every single time. When it's just you and maybe one of your dipshit Western friends chanting. And it sounds like shit on the fucking broadcast. It annoyed everybody watching it back, and it sure as fuck annoyed the fans that were there, too, because, um, you know, this guy fucking actually had the balls to claim that all the Japanese fans were not annoyed, but you can clearly hear people yelling shut up in Japanese on the fucking tape. Like, that's the part that I thought that really, like, uh, got me back. I'm like, this guy... He clearly does not know what shut up means in Japanese because they yell it like, like several times in the crowd during the stardom show,
0: you know, at the show. I don't know. Do you know what j- shut up is in Japanese? Did you hear it? I mean, I only know it now because of that video <laughs> at, at Seedling that was translated. So he, um, the, the fans yell, Usai, which is like, shut the fuck
1: up. And they yell it several times. Even at the stardom show, you can hear the fans yelling it. So you could tell the Sealand story because that one's even funnier.
0: Oh, just after the main oh. event, the guy was chanting, "This is awesome!" In the middle of Takahashi trying to speak to uh, Arisa Nakajima, and she said, "Shut up!" to him. And there was some commotion, and then some fan in the crowd went, "Yeah, sh- shut up!" Yeah, it was like Erisaio, like yes, like she, like he's basically. Putting that
1: yo on the end is, like, the strongest thing he could do. Like, he's basic – that is, like – that basically is telling you, shut the fuck up. Like, that is, like, adding emphasis to it and telling you, shut the fuck up. We are so sick of your shit. So anyway. Like, for any – for that, that guy is just clueless to actually go on Twitter. Because on top of everything else, on, on top of doing the chanting, he actually went on Twitter and argued with people and said, no, it's just the Guardians on Twitter. Which imagine saying that as a foreigner. It's just the guardians on Twitter saying that, you know, uh, I'm, you know, ter- I'm was shitty or whatever. The fans, the people in Japan, the wrestlers, of the fans thought I was great. It's like, you just have no clue. I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, it was really annoying watching the show back, wasn't it?
0: Um, I agree with you. <laughs> it, it, I'm going to say a but, but it's not me disagreeing with you. I agree with you. But even, let's pretend for a moment, a hypothetical that this show took place anywhere else that's not Japan. And it looked the same and it sounded the same. And you're in the crowd and you're doing the chants and no one joins in with you. First of all, no one joins in. So isn't there a moment when you say to yourself, oh, no one's joining in on these chants. Maybe I should not do, like you're just like well i'm going to keep doing these chants and the second thing was that really weirded me out was even at an american show let's pretend this is an american show the chants were not even at the right time yeah like like there was um i don't even um which match was it it was oh i think it was hana's first match and she was in the ring and i think um Andres miyagi was yeah. outside and it was one of those, you know, oh, or you know, 10, you know, 9, 10, 11, one of those things. And the guys, you know, Hannah's standing in the ring sort of posing. And the guy's like, let's go, Hannah. You know, doing this. I'm like, that's not the right time to do this. chant. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you don't do it now. There was the match. Um, B. Priestley and uh, Suzuki in the first round. Like two minutes into the match, the guys, this is awesome. (laughs) I'm like, really? Two minutes? Well, they do that all the time now in America. Like before they even do anything. But not two minutes in. No, I see them them do it before they do anything. Oh, well, yes. But that's like two guys when it's like, you know. Oh, like legend. It's like, you know, Nick Gage and I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like I'm sure – when Moxley starts wrestling again, you know, it'll be Moxley engaged and people will go this, but that's a different thing. The match hasn't started. Yeah. They're going, Oh, it's awesome to see these guys in the ring. But here it was like the match barely started. Like what, what is awesome about the first two moves of this match? So that was a thing that got to me more than it was just like, it's totally wrong in general, not yeah. even, and then add on the fact that it's, you know, in Japan, that's a whole nother layer, but, the even the first thing is wrong so it isn't even to me it wasn't even like a or it became that once i saw this was it's not even you know if he's saying oh the japanese people liked it which clearly they didn't um and i didn't understand the word shut up but you can still see if you look in the crowd i mean people are look, you know they're looking around their I mean, at one point he chants and someone's head in the front row wh- whips around um, <laughs> to look at him. And it's like, oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So it's just the whole thing on multiple layers is just totally off base. It's totally wrong. And although I do think at this point, you know. It was sort of the first wave of the people who were there were talking about it, and then the video started coming out. So there's been r- sort of reason to speak about it, but I think at this point, the guy clearly is, um, I think, partially, at least partially in it for attention. Yeah. Um, so I think at this point, we've talked about it. The shows have come out, people have seen them. You know, it's bad. And now, you know, we just got to let this guy. You know, he had his 15 minutes of fame and now we got to kill it or else he'll never go away. I mean, he's threatening Um,
1: to come back for the Tokyo Dome with a bigger group, which would be quite awful. But um, someone pointed out, basically, there is already other annoying fans (laughs) that week. It's pretty much the only time this ever happens. Right. Is the Tokyo Dome week. So he really wouldn't even stand out as badly as he did here. It just stood out because it was, you know, it's golden week in Japan. There's a lot of shows and you know presumably that's why he went but like there's not a lot of foreigners that go during that time so you know it just it really stood out i mean i i was just one of those things where i was just mortified like on his behalf even if he lacks the shame and thinking like well this is great it's a month before i'm going again and i hope these people these people in japan don't like see another fucking foreigner and be like oh god here we go again
0: yeah my my friend who i'm going with heard about it um, cause obviously it's sort of been the talk of mul- sort of multiple circles of wrestling, um, of the wrestling world. Um, and he mentioned to me, he said, you know, if that happens when we're at a show, I would just, it's sort of like, um, even though you're not involved with someone else, you are also embar- If you're at the show, you're also embarrassed because you're sort of in the group together, even though you obviously don't know this person. Um, And he just said, oh, I would be just so incredibly embarrassed if that happened. And, you know, the tough thing is there's really I mean, the guy obviously is obstinate and is not going to change his mind. So it isn't even as easy as going up to the guy at the show at intermission or something and saying, hey, man, you know, no one's joining in. Just, you know, be cool, because I'm sure he would say, oh, what do you mean? This guy really loves this guy really loves my chant. Can't you tell he's sitting here very quietly? Um, (laughs) So it isn't even that. I mean, people have said, well, the promotion should kick them out, but I understand that's a hard thing, you know, and at a lot of these shows, at a lot of these shows, some, sometimes no one speaks English. You know, you go to these shows and, you know, they're very friendly and they try and help, but, it's not as easy as just having someone go up and say, excuse me, sir, you know, you have to leave. And of course the guy's going to argue back and say, Oh no. And then you're talking about, you know, obviously causing a scene, which is not um, looked well upon. So it's a whole thing where people have said, you know, it's up to the promotions to kick them out, but I don't really, you know, put it on them or expect them to, you know, go in and, and be the law in this situation. So unfortunately it's sort of an, it's an unfixable situation, unfortunately.
1: And the We Are Stardom account—I uh, think it, the dude's name is Sonny, I think, right?
0: Yeah, Sonny. He, yeah. he
1: made he made a statement about it, which I thought was really uh, a good statement. Good, say, you know, it's like a, almost like a—you're basically being subtreated by a promotion. Which I think is really funny. But yeah, the statement was very generic, but it was like, you know, we appreciate everybody who goes through our shows, but you need to remember everybody, including me, is a guest in this country, and you need to behave, blah, 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 and and he got very angry at that statement, and then both the We Are Stardom account and Apparently the Japanese Stardom account blocked him, I thought was funny. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that. I just wanted to mention it, since we're going to talk about the show, and just say he was indeed very annoying on the entire show, so can't really do nothing about that uh but the cinderella show we can just go through really quickly because we're already kind of like running low on time the big (laughs) highlight of the first the big highlight of the first round of me was rebel kel and and azumi like that might have been like the best rebel kel match in history because she's usually like really quite bad but like i don't know azumi azumi bumped her ass off like a little maniac and really made that like a fun match
0: I mean it's yeah. obvious it's obvious why Rebel Kell is there and I don't just mean from a you know horny perspective but I mean she's very tall she has sort of an interesting look that's like someone that might cause trouble at a southern um highway rest stop or something like that um so I can see why she's there it is true that she is getting better I agree with you I thought that she was also um a lot better. You know, there were minor sort of nitpicks that in the comments to open the video, she talked about the fact she isn't winning a lot. She's very frustrated. Um, And then she came out and her first pin was very lackadaisical and I was thinking, well, if you're very frustrated with not winning, I would think that you would want to really try and pin this person. I know she's much smaller than you are, but, you know, little things like that, but I'm more happy to nitpick those sort of things than the things that are um, like, oh, the structure of this match is totally a mess and it's not going well.
1: Yeah. Um, but that's uh, I thought it was good, you know. It's only a five minute match, so so whatever. Um, anything else stand out in the first round for you? I, Konami and Momu Watanabe is really fun for a five minute match too.
0: Yeah, I thought the last three matches of the first round, as probably would be logical were the best three matches of the of the round. Um it's sort of hard to talk about some of these matches because they're going as you mentioned a very short amount of time because some people are going over the top rope. I mean, we can talk about one thing, the end of B Priestley and, and HIZUKI was botched. Yeah, I think so. But I didn't even really understand they went flipping over the rope. B. Priestley hit the floor first. But I didn't even really understand what is the corrected, non-botched version of that finish. Yeah, I don't know. Because it seemed very perilous to begin with, unless the goal was for B. Priestley to end up sitting on the apron and somehow power bomb Hazuki or something like that. But that was sort of very confusing. But that's the only other match that really sticks out to me in the first round.
1: Uh, but, yeah, so... The first round pretty decent. The second round ended up being only three matches since Kagetsu and Tom Nakano went to a time limit draw. Uh, Starlight Kid beat Hazuki really quickly. Kanai beat Azumi and this is apparently where Azumi got injured and she's gonna miss a lot of time it sounds like which is kinda sucks because she had been getting looking really, really good lately and you know, obviously but she's still very young. She I think has not even turned seventeen yet no i think so, she's still
0: 16 yeah
1: yeah so she got plenty of time and i think someone pointed out maybe it was even you in the slack but somebody definitely pointed out that like this is the same injury that momo watanabe had when she when she missed most of i guess 2017 so you know and she obviously came back from a very strong and you know turned into you know the best probably the best women's wrestler in the world last year so there's no reason why Izumi can't come back from this and still be really good since you know still got a lot of career ahead of her probably.
0: Yes, it was me with that very astute observation. I'm glad I stole it then
1: for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, so that's the quarterfinals. And also Natsukotora Natsukotora defeated uh Hanakamura in the other quarterfinal match. Uh semifinals, Arisa hoshi Hoshiki defeated Natsukotora. Uh, Konami beat Starlight Kid. And then Hoshiki beat Konami in the finals, which I, I liked a lot for a 10-minute match. I thought it was very good.
0: Yeah, it was a fun. I mean, as I said, some of these, you know, it sounds like we're really, you know, flying through them, but some of these matches are so short. I mean, even that match was very good. Um, but again, it's 10 minutes, so there isn't really much to say beyond, you know, oh, I like the you know, I like the match. I also thought it was very good. Um, I like liked
1: three and three quarters, I think. I yeah.
0: Think. I mean, I like. Having Risa, I think that Stardom now has a pretty good um, roster where they're able to maybe take, um, you know, do this tournament and pick someone who maybe you wouldn't expect and see what happens with them, as opposed to really trying to put some gas behind someone who needs an extra boost. Um, so I like the winner. Um, I'm not sure what percentage of people before the tournament would have picked um, her to win. Probably zero. Um, yeah. Or or very low. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was a strong tournament and a strong end.
1: I like her. And I, I actually think I even like Saki Kashima very slightly better. So maybe the other two, I think I like her a little bit better. But that's it. Like, stardom always seems to find a way where every time they lose people, they just, like, re- they're like New Japan in that regard a lot, where they, like, they always seem to find a way to rebuild their bench, whether it's, like, they take people from other companies, or um, people come out of retirement suddenly when other people retire or go to WWE. I mean, I, I was Arisa the one that retired, or was it Saki? It was. Both, uh, I was both uh, of them.
0: Um, I think. I think I know. I think I. It was Arisa. Yeah, because yeah. she was in 2012, and then came back last year.
1: Didn't I thought Saki Kashima did that too, but maybe I'm wrong. Um. Let me see. Or she, or she came from somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it we, was
0: her as well, but hers was slightly shorter because she had wrestled in 2013 and came back last year.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, they, they seem to pull that kind of thing a lot. I mean, uh, they, they, they're the same thing with Yoko out, So, you know, people come back. I mean, Yoko Bito retired again, but, you know, people seem to, like, retire and come back, which always seems to help their death and they always have like a million children you know on the way up uh, which you know is how you end up with someone like Momo Watanabe who becomes like the best women's wrestler in the world when she's 18 years old because she's been doing this for fucking 4 years already so you know um but yeah i think there's definitely nothing to worry about with stardom when it comes to the roster right now <laughs> so let's do sendai girls next actually because i want to talk about one match in particular um so, Sendai Girls have the April 16th Korokin. Uh, I did not watch the first two matches. Did you watch them?
0: Uh, I did. I'm looking them up now because I don't even. Um, I mean, one was like
1: a one was Kayaru and Mikoto Shindo. Oh, yes. Against, yeah.
0: Um, and I really like Shindo. Um, I think Shindo's really good. Oh, and the other one was Iger and Hirota and um, Alex Lee and Boyshoi Kid, which it's a Hirota match, so that's yeah fine skipping that but yeah i like uh i like the opener it was you know a fun opener i think it's for people i really like so i liked it but don't really have much beyond that to say so
1: uh the match three is where i picked it up millie mckenzie defeating manami and 550 to retain the sendai girls junior title uh manami of course is only 14 years old and not another one of these very young uh joshi rookies but this was this was like about as good of a six minute match as you could have. I really like this. I mean, it was just a very like stiff five minute, you know, six minute match. So
0: pretty. Yeah, like, I would
1: probably, I'd probably go like three and a half on it.
0: Yeah, I've really liked Mackenzie in Sendai Girls. I'm glad they brought her over because um, she's been she's had uh, quite a few good matches, and I agree with you. You know, it's a short match, but you know, it is sort of the younger talent going through it. So it makes sense and um, was a fun match. And I think um, Manami is going to be very good. Obviously she has a lot of years to uh, reach her potential because she's so young, but I think she's already um, off to a good start.
1: What do you think about the Joshi starting people young thing? Cause I've heard both arguments on this, but like, I mean, mo- as long as they aren't doing like a really crazy schedule, which they, they aren't really, as far as I can tell. Uh, it's like usually only a few times a month. I don't think it's that big a deal to start them young. I mean, you people play all sorts of sports before they turn eighteen, right? I mean, that's usually how people get good at sports to to join professional leagues. I don't really think there's a big issue with starting people under eighteen. Um, I mean, there's all, there's all sorts of dudes who've done it in in the Western world, but it's a little
0: less. I feel like it is a little less common. But
1: I actually don't. In Mexico, don't they start people very young there too?
0: Yeah, they start people at like ten. Okay.
1: So I don't I don't know. Many people just have a problem with it because there's like a little bit of a creepy element to Joshi in general, but I don't have a problem with starting people young and I think especially if if when Joshi careers can end up being very short sometimes, I think it's better to just have them, you know, ready and by the time they turn 18 and are really doing like a full-time schedule, like that's how you end up with like 18-year-olds who are like as good as Momowachi Nabe, you know, has been in the past year. So
0: I mean, I think as long as they're safe, you sort of alluded to it, as long as they're safe and they're not, um, you know, overworking them or putting them in some, and I mean safe from both a physical in-ring perspective and an out-of-ring thing in terms of the whole, you know, the whole thing in terms of going to, you know, I don't know, going to school and things like that, the fans, you know, things like that. But I think that they do take care of, of them pretty well or else they probably wouldn't do it as much as they do. But I was, go- I actually was going to mention the middle school and high school sports as well. I think it's really not much different. It maybe is a little bit more physically demanding, but they're not working. They're not working five times a week.
1: Yeah. They're working like five um, times a month. What I can tell Right. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I could see someone from the outside who could maybe look at it and go, oh, that's a bit strange, but I think it's also a culture thing where in the United States we've really put a lot of, um, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on children being safe. Um, And, you know, wrestling can be a little bit dangerous, but something like this, I mean, as you said, a six-minute match, I don't think anyone's being in too much danger with that, so I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, and the stardom ones, like, they always have them in these, like, three-way tags where they're going, like, 10 minutes total, but I mean, until, like, I mean, Azumi's actually doing way more than I feel like most of the under-18s end up doing, but maybe they just think she's really talented, which she she kind of is, so I get it. Uh, okay. The next match was you and Mika Iwata. I was a little bit surprised by the result of this one. I thought, like when I when they first brought in you, that they were going to have her get wins and like get ready to face Chihiro because that match just made a lot of sense to me. Um, But instead, they had you lose here to Mika Aiwaden in in about eight and a half minutes. Uh, This was good. It just wasn't up to the level I thought of the um, the other like you know matches I've seen on the little matches I've seen on this show. And like the match, the matches I know that these two have had before. I don't know. She's never clicked on that level with me. It was like a three-star match.
0: Yeah, I wasn't, I also was probably around the same range. The result surprised me less just because I think Awada is the, um, she's got to, or at least I hope that this is what they're doing, that they're going to move her up the card and she may, you know, at this point, become a 1B to Chihiro or even defeat her, because I think that she's the... I think they need to continue to build, especially they lost uh, Miyagi um, just a few months ago to Stardom, that they need some more people at the top of these cards. You know, Shida, who wrestled on this show, is going to uh, the States in a few uh, months. So, and Iwata sort of is the or at least I think this, the future, a future big star. Um, So it wasn't super surprising to me. I mean, I do think a you and Hashimoto match would be a lot of fun, Um, but I was the same with you where I was really looking forward to this match. I thought it could have been really good, Um, but I think it was hindered a little bit by the spot on the card um, being sort of right in the middle where I think with a little bit more time, it probably would have picked up a little bit uh yeah it is what it is
1: yeah so it was a you know decent little match but after that though Seri and mako Satamura, 15 and a half minutes taylor you can go first because i know you you really were banging the drum on this match even before i even wa- watched it finally today
0: yeah so uh Sari and mako Satamura. um i love this match I had seen it getting, because um, this show and uh, Sendai posted a show on their YouTube channel that's only, I think, about an hour long that has a match of uh, Sari and Dash uh, Chizako. And those two matches, I think, came out very close to each other or even maybe on the same day. And both were getting a lot of hype. So I sort of, because they were both getting hype, I didn't get overhyped for this match, uh, which I think maybe would have happened if this match would have come out by itself. I love the match. I gave it five stars. I mean, Sari is one of my favorite uh, wrestlers, period. I think she's hugely underrated only in the fact that she is in Pro Wrestling Diana, which is not a widely seen promotion, even amongst people who are sort of in heavily in the Joshi scene because they upload about three matches a year on a YouTube channel that isn't really promoted anywhere. Um, I think she's so great. I saw her last time I was in Japan in Seedling, um, and she is, of all the many, probably at this point, hundreds of wrestlers I've seen live in my life, she has the hardest-sounding strikes I've ever heard. Uh, just big thuds that sound unbelievable live and that sort of came across in this match of two people who just sort of wanted to beat the shit out of each other which is totally um the type of match i love very much in the style of a sort of uh ishii shibata or the first thing i thought of too um, that sort of type of match where it's just we're going to wail on each other for as much time as we have, and the the person who can't deal with it is going to lose. Um, I loved it. I mean, it was every, you know, forearm exchanges and just crazy drop kicks and dropping people on their heads. So I absolutely loved it. I'm very happy, as I said. Sari is one of my favorites. I'm really happy that this match has sort of broken through to the larger wrestling world, because I think that she definitely deserves more of a spotlight on her. Um, And hopefully this does lead to that. And obviously Mako is Mako who's incredible and, you know, is one of the all timers. So not surprised that she could do this, Um, but I loved it. Just totally a match. And it did go 1530 which is almost surprising to me because not in a negative way, it felt even longer. It felt so Epic to me that the match almost felt longer, even though it wasn't not in a way that I'm saying, Oh, this is dragging. Um, and it feels so long, but just, it felt, you know, every strike, every kick, you know, every move was so great to me that I just totally loved it. Um, it's either my number one match of the year, and if not number one, then it would be, at very minimum, uh, number you two. Have,
1: you have another five-star match this year?
0: I have – I think I have two other ones. I have oh. Pac and KZ from Dragon Gate and um, Omega Tanahashi from uh, Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Yeah, I went four and a half and four and a quarter on those two. But – so here's what I'm going to say. Unlike Taylor, I, have, I don't think I've ever seen – I may have seen Ceri. She You said she works Seedling sometimes, right? I may. Have well, seen she her. used
0: to be. So she used to be in Seedling. Okay. And the deal was that William Regal came over for the first. I think it was the first May Young Classic to and saw her, and the big talk was that they were going to ask her to be in the tournament. They asked her, and she went to the company. Um, that oversees seedling. I don't know the exact power structure there. And she said, oh, I want to go and do this. And they said, no. And she said, well, I'm very unhappy in seedling because I think her personality is very different than some of the people, um, some of the other regulars in that company. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, And I think they said something to her that was like, well, either you can stay here and, you know, stay in seedling or you can go to Diana and wrestle there. And she chose Diana and Diana, as I mentioned, gets almost no coverage of any sort. They have a YouTube channel that uploads matches that often feature Suri because she's sort of the big star of the promotion. But obviously I'm not expecting many people to be subscribed to a YouTube channel of a minor Joshi promotion in Japan. So very you know, she's underseen, although she does appear from time to time in Sendai Girls and you know, a couple of of these other um Joshi yeah. promotions. So all I was saying is I don't know if I've
1: seen her before. I may have seen her once or twice, but not that often. Not not an all time favorite of mine like she is for you. This is fi- this is still a five star match. I still went. Uh I gave this five stars. My match of the year. Uh there's nothing else I give him five stars to yet this year. I mean, this is pretty much just you know, I was feeling five for it. Like pretty much the moment it ended because there just is not, I have no complaints about it at all. Like there's no, like to me, five stars is a perfect match, a match that did everything it's out to do. Not one thing was wrong with it. They didn't fuck up anything at all. There was nothing that even looked really remotely awkward and, you know, had like a story to it that made sense. All of that was true here. Like they just fucking went out there, killed each other 15 minutes straight. All the Matt wrestling early on looked great. The kicks look so fucking brutal. There's like one exchange where Mako um, or Sari does like a spin kick right in Mako's face. And, Ma- and Mako is like, well, fuck you. I'm going to kick you right in the face too then. And like, I don't know. Like that was just one of the most brutal exchanges of the entire year. Um, like you said, the backdrops were just like ridiculous. First Mako with the backdrop suplexes. And then Sari, like what kind of suplex was he doing? I don't even remember. It was, it was like a kind of a funky one.
0: Oh like yeah, him. I yeah I don't remember, and I'm also bad at the names of the wrestling. <laughs> I don't moves. think it,
1: I don't think it was a backdrop. I think it might have been like a either like a modified exploder, or even like a sambo suplex or something. But yeah, it was really good. So her whatever suplex she was doing was also really good, and they're just dropping each other on their heads, killing each other. And I don't think there was like a good internal story too, where Mako, you know, Mako's the obviously the veteran, and she's just beating the shit out of this woman. And every time Seri would like get a little bit of hope spot, Makeup would just like shut her down again and just keep dropping her on her head. You know what match it really reminded me of actually in a weird way? Um, it reminded me of Samoa Joe and Austin Aries from like the, when Aries beat him for the title, but they had that similar kind of like, you know, the feel to it where it felt like the person, um, I mean, I could, I could pick a, a lot of matches like this, but like the, the person is so far above the other one at first and just destroys them for, like, the good first portion of the match. But then the other person just, like, pulls out, like, this big sequence at the end and just, like, you know, just doesn't give up, doesn't give up, doesn't give up, and then makes this huge comeback at the end and just puts her down, basically. So it's the same, similar kind of thing as that, but, you know, I'm sure there's a million other examples of that type of match. It's a pretty basic match, match structure, but that's just the one that immediately popped into my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's a, it's a five-star match. Uh my current match of the year, the only thing I've gone five on yet so far. Um, you really, really need to see this match if you have not seen it. Um, it's on YouTube. If you search for the two of them, it shows up. I already, I linked it on my Twitter. So you can go to, uh, at Tushin Shui in LA. If you don't know how to spell that, you can also just go to at Russell Omikaze and then click on my name. It's right there in the profile. Um, but yeah so like awesome match definitely watch it i don't know what else to say it's like even if you don't normally watch joshi even if you don't like a lot of joshi i think you'll like this i mean if you like you know shibata and and uh ishii just two people killing each other then you'll like this too so so
0: definitely watch it uh
1: semi-main oh sorry go ahead
0: Not to just this just a sort of quick side point there is a uh, Seri had a match with Aja Kong earlier this year in Diana, which um, has not appeared anywhere except in brief, um, sort of highlight form and pictures where Aja Kong bloodied um, Seri very bad, like very, very badly. Um, but that sort of has become the holy grail of 2019 wrestling for many people. So I have a feeling if that match ever made the light of day, either somewhere online or in a DVD form, I mean, that match could be up here with that match could be up there with this match. Um, So if you do watch this match and um, you do like it, keep your eyes peeled to see if that other match ever sees the light of day, which who knows, maybe it never does. Um because I, I think that it. match could probably be uh, you know, one A and one B in terms of two great matches.
1: this is like the last stand of like the the wrestling nerddom, when it's like, will this match actually make tape? Will we actually see it? Like this used to be everything like 10 fifteen years ago, you know? And now right. it's like very, very few show promotions are like
0: this anymore. So
1: now I want to see Diana. Is there gonna be a fucking Diana show when we're going?
0: No, I wish. <laughs> last time when we were in um what's the bar in Osat, the wrestling bar? uh oh it's uh oh god i uh, should it know it was this. three w- one two three two one one two three yeah something um, like that they had i remember going in the bathroom and they had a diana poster in the bathroom and i remember thinking oh god like this will be the closest i ever get to a diana show <laughs> standing in this bathroom looking at this poster <laughs>
1: yeah. i mean we can see some some cool were there i mean the oz Academy's running
0: uh gato movers running Is, does she ever show up in any of those promotions or no Um, I'm trying to think if she's been in Oz. Um, I know she hasn't been in Gato. I don't know about Oz. I don't think so. Um, It's usually a Sendai, and I think maybe once or maybe a few times in Wave, I think. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly. Well, I
1: hope she makes a surprise appearance in one of those other companies. Uh, Okay. So that leads us to the semi-main event, which was Icaro and Killer Kelly against Roryu Matsumoto and Dash Chizako. I thought this was awesome too, a, a great tag match. It took a little bit to get going, but by the time it was going, it was really good. I, I went four flat on this. It was very good. What would you think about it?
0: Yeah, I was around the same area. I, again, four great, I really, four great people. I really like Killer Kelly. Um, she's maybe a level below the other three, but I think that she's got um, a lot of potential. Uh, she was in the Mae Young Classic and had a really good match with Mako. Uh, that sort of, that was sort of the first match of the second Mae Young Classic that got people's attention. Um, and it's funny to think I'm looking at her profile on Cage Match. She's 27, and we're talking about all these people who are 18. So she seems like she's, you know, an old woman, but you know, still very young and probably has a few years and I'm sure she's improving and looked very good in the match. So I felt the same way, a good match, a little bit hindered by, through no fault of their own, the fact that I was still partially freaking out about the match before. Yeah. Um, so I was a little bit on focus, but I also really did like the match, um, and thought it was a lot of fun and really good. Uh,
1: then the main event, which was Chihiro Hashimoto and Jordan Grace, um, I heard I saw a lot of people saying they thought this was disappointing but um, I thought this was a really fun power battle I really was into them like just these two big big ladies just like lifting each other up and power bombing each other repeatedly and slamming each other all over the place it was you know pretty much what I expected going in um, and, you know, I went four flat on this again I thought it was a pretty awesome match
0: yeah I liked it I wasn't blown away I was lower than you probably in the three and a half range or so Um you know, Hashimoto's had some great matches, so she's got, for, for me at least, a very high standard to live up to, which I think sometimes, um, sometimes it actually works against her uh, because I have such high expectations. But I thought it was good, you know, fun to see a little bit of, um, you know, a different type of matchup as sometimes um, with these shows, with these Joshi promotions that sort of pass talent amongst each other, you can sort of start to see the same people on all the shows. So I think it was fun to get someone like Jordan grace on the show. And, you know, they also had you and killer Kelly. Um, So all these people, it makes for a little, um, little bit of fun and to see different uh, people interact. So I thought it was good, not as high as you, but certainly didn't think uh, it was anything bad. Uh, So,
1: yeah, I, I agree. It was a, Or, I mean, you know, I had it higher than you did, but I thought it was good. Um, You know, so overall, though, awesome show. I mean, probably one of the best of the entire year.
0: I mean, I will say that uh, I, and I think some others, from time to time, have some booking issues with Sendai, but I think that they have had a very strong year. So if you do watch the show and you like it, um, I would say go back. There's a few other shows that have made tape that also have a lot of strong matches on them. Um, and that even with some of the booking question marks that happen, I think that they're still able to deliver a lot of really great matches. So if, again, if you watch the show and you like it, I would highly recommend going back because um, this is sort of, uh, sort of par for the course, obviously not a five-star match on every show. Um, but they often deliver um, good matches on on almost every show. I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're the most. They're like the work rate Joshi company to me. Like they almost always deliver something really, really good. It's just like you say, the booking can be kind of all over the place sometimes. But you know, very almost always at least one really good match. So uh, let's wrap this up with Tokyo Joshi Pro. The Yes Wonderland 2019 opportunity is there uh cork and hall drew a 1110 fan uh house which they put down super no vacancy which it might be with their setup actually
0: um well and was and was one single fan more than actress girls drew 1109 you
1: think it's a work
0: um i don't i don't know how much of it is a work but Someone had joked when they announced because they ran earlier in the week at Korkin and they announced 1109. And someone said, Oh, uh, Tokyo Joshi's going to announce 1110. And then they did, yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of bad blood there between the two promotions. Um, yeah, but just took- in- interesting to <laughs> interesting numbers to see. He did you take Natsumi Maki? So I guess I get
1: it, but uh, okay. Okay, so the opener, Yuna Manase, Mina Shirakawa, and Himawari Unagi defeating Haruna Neko, uh, Palm Harajuku, and Mahiro Kiryu when Manase pinned Harajuku with the Suzuki Dynamic in 9.30. Um, This is a fun little opener. I I think uh, Mahiro is like – I mentioned this last time we talked Tokyo Joshi, I think, but she's like – I think she's my favorite rookie. Where she has like that spunkiness to her, like you know she's kind of like the um it's almost similar to like a like a, a young Mayu Iwatani, where it's like very um they're leaning into like the the short hair and like the like the tom girl thing which or tomboy thing i guess I should say <laughs> the tomboy thing where like you know especially in this company where so many other it's like very idolish in a lot of ways it really helps her stand out. I think she just looks better in the ring than a lot of the people too. You know? So, um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think of the opener?
0: I thought it was good. I don't really have much to say. I thought it was a, you know, perfectly serviceable op- opener and yeah.
1: Uh, uh, the match number two was the debut of Mirai Mayumi. Uh, she teamed with Yumi to lose to Nodoka Tenma and Yuki Aino, uh, Temapin Mayumi with the kill switch in 958. The big news, I guess, was the original Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama, who apparently it was him running a real Japan pro wrestling show in her hometown, like, I guess after, like, a disaster, natural disaster or something, that really, like, made her want to be a pro wrestler. So that's probably the biggest impact real Japan has ever had in, in the world of pro wrestling. But, uh... I mean, this is this was this was a good little debut. Um, I mean, my favorite spot of the match is probably when Yumi was in there with Nodoka. Did you do you remember this spot? Was she like, because Yumi, for people who don't know, is very very tall. And even though she's young, she's also like five nine, um, and Nodoka is like what, like four ten, I think, if that. So she like stuck her hand out and just kind of like put it on her put her put her arm out and like put her hand on her head and just was like, "What are you gonna do about it?" That thought was really funny.
0: Yeah, it wasn't and, even like a pad, it was just a placement of the hand on the head.
1: Yeah. It's so she was basically just like, you can't do nothing. What are you gonna do? I think it shows that even though right now they're going with like the young the young girl kind of thing, her future in the company is probably gonna be as a heel, you would think.
0: But I think that might have been a low tease of it. But yeah, this this pretty decent. I mean, I feel like all in Japan, I feel like all rookie debuts are are fairly good. I mean, can you remember a rookie debut when they debuted and you went, Oh boy, this person could be bad. Could be bad. I can't even think of one.
1: No, it doesn't really happen.
0: It doesn't really happen. I mean, the only thing I can think of is marvelous. Um, they're rookies. They do shows where they have the rookies come out and do drills. Uh, and sometimes, I mean, the drills look totally exhausting to me. And sometimes the rookies do get tired and, You know, they can't continue, but that's not a wrestling match, and it's not really their debut. So, I mean, to me, it was very in line with many other people who have debuted in this company and other companies that it was good, but, you know, you'll see really what they're about, you know, further down the line.
1: Yeah. Uh, After that, match number three, Thunder Rosa defeating Yuki Kamifuku with the Raynellis Flash in 644. Um, this was pretty fun, actually. I don't. Y- Yuki's not like the greatest in-ring wrestler, but I thought this was actually, you know, a decent little match.
0: Yeah, I thought it was fun too. I think uh, I feel the same way about Thunder Rosa. I like Thunder Rosa. She's got a sort of fun personality, but I would never put her near the top of any sort of in-ring worker list in terms of American uh, women's indie promotions. Um, uh, but I think it was a fun match. You know, Thunder Rosa has a fun personality. And like I mentioned before, it's fun to see, you know, I know Thunder Rosa, John, I don't think that you've probably, I don't no. know. Have you ever seen her? No, uh, so no. it's fun I mean, to I see, him, but. right. Fun to see someone I know getting in, you know, getting the ring and perform. So
1: yeah. And yeah. I, there's just like the sexy match, you know, they were both doing like all the sexy pose and stuff, which I thought helped like, as far as
0: the comedy. But yeah, and a lot enjoyed. of a lot of swearing going on. A lot of uh, <laughs> people calling, saying, "Oh, I'm the sexiest bitch, not you, bitch." And I was like, "Oh, I was any, like, all right."
1: Any Japanese person, I feel like the only English they they ever know is like curse words. But Yuki actually knows a lot of English. But I feel like yeah,
0: she speaks English pretty. But they teach. Or at I feel like
1: that's tweets. the I think that's the first thing they teach everybody is like the curse. Or the first thing everybody learns and remembers is like the English curse words. So. Because you're gonna hear plenty of them yelling again. I mean, Konami lately has just been fuck you, Momo right? Like, yeah. Nonstop. Uh, match four, Reika Psyche and Marika Kobashi defeating Riho and Raku when Saiki pinned Raku to the jackhammer in 1002. Um, first of all, I'm really not ready for Marika Kobashi to leave us. Uh, she's one of my favorites in Tokyo Joshi. Really always enjoyed the the JK wrestler. Um I don't know. I mean, I, I get it because she apparently wants to really concentrate on her university, and you're studying to get into university, so obviously you need, you need to take a break when that happens, but hopefully she comes back. Hopefully it is just a break. Um, it's always good to see Riho, on the other hand, who you know, she she, she seems to show up at all these Korakins, but she's very good whenever she show, does show up, and you know, I'm excited to see her live when we go to Gato move, too, so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I mean like uh, The the big note I have From this was like Raku did like a, a, At one point did like this headlock Which like really just like grinded it in And like threw the other person On the mat, it looked like that uh, It was like the best headlock I've seen other than like Jinder Mahal's headlock that on um, Ricochet That like really got around Twitter, like a Twitter gif
0: So good job Raku, good headlock But um... Wow, that was quite a sentence you just said <laughs> I don't even know what Jinder Mahal headlock on Ricochet. So Jinder
1: Mahal did like a really big, a really nice looking headlock on Ricochet in some random match. And some, some guy like complained about it and was like, Oh, this is what WWE is. is a guy. Ricochet could do all these great moves and instead he gets headlocked. I'm like, look, you can hit on Jinder Mahal for a lot, but like, that was a cool looking headlock. It was a good headlock. I don't, gotta, don't have to complain about a good headlock. Like, come on. There's always room for wrestling in it for <laughs> for a good headlock. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Raku, Raku and Jinder, those are my my top two headlocks of <laughs> the yeah. Um But, yeah, I mean, like, I thought this was good. It was like a three-and-a-half-star match. Uh, Psyche almost did, like, a sheer drop Jackhammer at one point. I think at the end, actually. She almost, like, dropped it right in her head. But
0: Yeah, I think that was a finish. Yeah,
1: that was really good, though, so. Good match.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. Best match of the show up to this point. Um, I Yeah, I really liked it too. Uh,
1: what do you think of Aja Kong and
0: Maki Ido? Because I've seen some different opinions on this. This went ten forty seven, and Aja won with the vertical drop brain buster. Uh, I thought it was fine. I always prefer Aja Kong matches to have a little bit more back and forth. I know that she's obviously... A huge monster and that's the whole deal but this felt very much like oh we're just waiting we're just counting down the moments until it ends um you know i'm interested obviously we've established that ito is more sort of guts than brains at this point in terms of the people she chooses to go after uh, I'm interested to see where that idea goes, because I think there will reach a point when sort of the person who tries hard and loses will maybe run out of steam. Um, yeah. But I feel I th- I
1: get, it did run out of steam with some people, I think, on this show. But.
0: Um, I mean, I mean, this truly was an extended squash, so I don't know how really excited I can get about that. Um Uh, I I certainly didn't hate it or dislike it or anything, but I thought it was fine. I mean, when I think of Ajakon, I think, oh, a single match with Ajakon, I think of, you know, some big match that's going to be great, which obviously this was not super great, but I thought it was fine and, you know, did its job as they continue to tell this story and hopefully it, you know, grows into something else.
1: Uh, then match number six, Saki-sama and Masao defeating Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe. Oh, I realized I didn't give my thoughts on it at all. It was I liked it. I I mean I look, I'm not really like at the point where I'm sick of the Maki Ito acts yet. I get some people I get that some people are. Um this is kind of what I expected it to be though. It's fucking Aja Kong. Like what the, thought they were gonna go fifty-fifty. I just I don't I didn't understand some of the reaction on Twitter. Like, you know, I she can be competitive with people, but just this is what this is always going to be. It's going to be her dying to Aja Khan. Like that's that's what this is going to be. So I don't know. I think some people expected more out of Maki here, but I just think it was another chance for her to do her whole gimmick where she, you know, flips the other person and and screams that she gets killed. But if you're sick of that, I guess that's fine. But I mean, she gets enough offense, uh, you know, that, that she can't really, that she can't really, uh, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Folks, I'm sorry I just, like, broke up there for a second. If you tell your brother when they message you that you're doing a podcast, you would think that makes them stop messaging you, right? Apparently not my brother. But <laughs> anyway, um, yes, so that's, like, uh, it was a good match. I don't know why people complain so much about the Aja Kong and Maki Ito thing. It's pretty much what I expected. Match number six: Saki Sama and Masao defeating Wika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe. When Masao pinned Tatsumi with the v- Vanitas, I guess.